Welcome to Covenant Church's sermon discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the communication director at Covenant, and the preaching pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good morning. I'm Michelle Lichty, and I am here with David Henderson. You are. We are. Uh, we are talking this morning at a different time because of scheduling conflicts. And so instead of skipping our sermon discussion, we thought we would just move it to an unusual time. So um, this past Sunday was Easter. What a glorious day we had and a wonderful service in total. Yeah, and wasn't it, you just uh, could feel that the, the um, kind of the intersection between this incredible celebration of the resurrection and this incredible uh, joy of being back together. I think um, our attendance numbers were more than twice what we've had, well, more than twice what we've had um, at any other service since COVID began. And uh, oh, it's such a joy to see everyone, see all all those familiar faces again. Uh, oh, we, yeah. I sure have missed seeing you all. And um, yeah, what a joy to be with you celebrating the resurrection. Yeah, it, it was, it was amazing. I got there at 10. And just all the people, there were so many people at the first service and then coming for the second service. And yeah, there was just a, an energy of rejoicing i guess would be the best way to call it so I think that's really yeah that's really true and one of the things actually you and i were talking about is that um the the way that our coming together in person is so important and it, it kind of defines us all over again the people of god together with each other in the presence of god is such a it, it reminds us who we are. It reminds us who we are in relationship with others. It reminds us who God is. And, uh, and our worshiping corporately, I think, has a power and a richness that's beyond any worship we can do on our own individually. And yeah, so I've, I've really been um, struck again in this past year by the mysterious power of our simply being together, which is so much more than just going to church. You know, it's this wow what a privilege oh what a defining moment yes and i the interest what i find incredibly interesting is that um you know this is something that this was a takeaway from my study my bible study in the book of acts was the the importance of being in person and that mm. was mm, end of 2020 end of night 2019 like i can't remember exactly when when that was when God that impressed that upon me. And then recently I've been reading in the newspaper um, all these articles about how important it is for people to interact in person, whether it's in the workplace or uh, you know, in, uh, in parks at the grocery store, you know, it's just interacting with people you do know and people you don't know and just the importance of that and how we've lost that over the past year. And, um, and I thought, wow, that's really interesting that it's emphasized, like it's emphasized in scripture and then it's, and then people are finding out about that now. Really true. And I, I think um, it, when, 
we, we didn't have to face this whole COVID thing, it was easy to think that that was a kind of an introvert extrovert thing. Some people that's important for others, it's not, but there's, that's not what this is. There's, there's a, there's a power in being together that's as powerful and important for introverts and they can do that in a more introverted way and that's fine. Um, but um, it, it's different than just, I so want to be with people. It's, mm -hmm. no, this, this is a, a, the event that constitutes us as the people of God when we come together across all of our lines of difference from all of the different parts of the world where God has us. And we come together around this one defining center, which is Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Power. Yes, it is. It's powerful. And, and almost undefinable. Yes, like, I think that's it, right. It is mysterious. It is very it is. mysterious. Why it's... That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't come away with a little to-go bag with certain things that are like, I can point to and go, look, because I gathered with the people of God in the presence of God, these are the four takeaways. It's, but it does, it's like, uh, restarting our computers you know it it gets everything all recalibrated lined up all running uh right and yeah yeah oh i like that analogy <laughs> well we are here to discuss the sermon on sunday and um it was based on philippians 3 verses 10 and 11 sharing in jesus's suffering and in his power um, I loved, I loved the, uh, the way you started the sermon with Liam's photo oh. or his, his drawing and just how you kind of pulled it apart. I was like, oh, wow. I loved the drawing when I saw it. And then when you went through, you know, look at Jesus's big heart and look at how, um, you know, Jesus is holding Liam's hand and his little brother's hand and and the sun and the darkness. I mean, like just going through it all, it was like, oh, I love it even more now. And I'm sure Liam and his parents were like, who knew that was all in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, I, it has really been fun because my, uh, my Lenten devotion this year was one that was based on scripture and art that captured a moment in scripture. And a lot of it was exploring both the passage and the work of art and kind of what you could draw out from that. And then obviously we did the same sort of thing in the journey with Jesus. So it was a way that my mind was already uh, traveling when I arrived at Liam's picture. And uh, yeah, it, I was so struck by the richness. I mean, every single part of it was a meaningful detail. There's nothing extraneous anywhere. It all spoke with theological power. Yeah, it was very fun. Yeah, I loved it. And a five-year-old, you know, and I said this, I think second service, but, you know, if we ever wonder if it's possible for a kid to have a real relationship with Jesus, wow, I mean, that's, that's like decisive evidence. Yes, absolutely they can. Absolutely. Yes. And, and what a blessing it is when we introduce our children to the creator at a young age. Yeah. What a blessing that is. Um, so in, in your sermon, you talked about sharing in Jesus's power and in his suffering. And so I just want to kind of um, review those a little bit. Um, knowing Jesus is living the crucifixion and living the resurrection is what I have in my notes. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And um, so I, I have written down here, living the resurrection, our growing like Jesus, we see growth in uh, our character qualities that are as evidence of living in God's power or in the resurrection. I don't think I, I don't think I was able to write down like specific qualities. Could you just remind us of those character qualities that are? Yeah, and it's fun because Paul actually lays them out in the prayer at the beginning. You know, he says in one six. Um, Jesus will carry through to completion the thing that he began in you, which is really encouraging. And he, he's saying, this is, this is my prayer and my confidence that that's what Jesus gonna, is going to do. And then he turns right around and he says, basically what I mean is this. So it's, um, let, me, let me just pull this up in, in 1, 9 to 11. And this, he, so he says, in all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Then just hopping down three verses, and this is my prayer. So, and then he lists them, the really practical things, that your love may abound more and more, that that love would be defined more and more by knowledge and depth of insight, so biblically governed, um, and then that you would be able to discern what is best, that you may be pure and blameless, uh, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ, and that all of that would result in praise and glory to God. Um, so I think that's just a, that's not the comprehensive list, but I think that really gets at the heart of so much of it. And, and one of the comments that I made is, I mean, I, I look at my own spiritual life, I've been a follower of Christ for 40 years, and there isn't, I, I think I've really grown spiritually. There's still a ton of progress that needs to be made, but I think I've really grown spiritually. There isn't one place where I've grown where I can go, now that, that right there, that was me. That was my work. I did that. I brought myself from here to here. There, I can't look at it. I cannot find a single place in my life where I can say that. There are a ton of places where I can say, I maybe reluctantly, maybe half-heartedly cooperated with what God was doing in that area. So I partnered with God in that work. I let him do that work. But that, yeah, and I think that's where, that's such a testimony to power. And I think everybody who's been in Christ for a while would say something similar. So just our transformation is testimony to our experiencing the power of the resurrection. Yeah, and it's, yeah, when I look back and I see how God has been working in me and in my heart and in my life and in my growth there, it just, it's, it's, um, it's like, it's amazing. Mm. It is. <laughs> it's, it's amazing that he would, that he cares enough about me to, to expose those shortcomings my sin where i you know and then and then lead me on the path to growth and to and to give me the power to to do that yeah and uh that's not just a picture of how he cares about us but one of the things that paul the connection that he makes in two different places is our transformation ends up becoming a gift to others in the body of christ 
We don't do things grumbling and arguing and complaining, but we're unified, striving together, one in spirit and in purpose, all sharing love together. And then that becomes the gift we give to the world. My transformed self is the best gift I can give you in the body of Christ. And it's the best gift I can give to my neighbors on either side and across the street. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that, that power of the resurrection isn't this private little nuclear reactor on the inside of me. Mm-hmm. It is the power of God fulfilling God's purposes. So that's why Paul in this passage says, this is, this is the work God's doing. This is what I'm praying. And it's all to the glory and praise of God. It's not just for your own. It's, this isn't the declaration of independence for the pursuit of your own happiness. This is, this is about God's project, mm. which mm. makes my cooperation all the more important. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I love that. The difference between God's project and the declaration of independence, <laughs> because there is a difference. A massive difference. difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, so we've been talking about power living into the, living in the resurrection, living in the power of the resurrection, but, but before the resurrection, there was the crucifixion, Jesus Mm -hmm. crucified and, um, and he suffered. And you talked about Jesus's sufferings include so it's easy for us to think of the passion of Christ mm-hmm. as, you know, the, the hours or days before his crucifixion, but, but really his suffering started with the incarnation. Can you unpack yes. this a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, this is a part of the sermon I had to leave. I didn't get a chance to develop in the way I would have loved to because of time. But I was thinking about this. I think if we have the idea that suffering in the Christian life is me going to the cross, then sometimes that leads us to feel permission to be rude to the people around us because they're going to just be mean to us back. And we go, yep, there it is. That's what I expected to have come back in my face. Um, But I think sometimes also then if we don't experience that, we go, what's wrong? I'm told I'm to expect suffering. So I was just thinking um, of four different dimensions of this. The first one is just as a human being, Apart from the fallenness of humanity, Jesus experienced living in a broken and fallen world, hunger, thirst, tiredness, weariness. Uh, you know, we ex- as human beings experience just the, the challenge of aging and aches and pains and I'm, I'm stiff if I've slept on the ground funny or whatever, all those kind of experiences of just the human existence in a fallen world where there's pain and loss and And then on top of that, I was thinking of all the places where by being a human in a fallen world among other fallen human beings, not other, like not him, but among fallen human beings, he, you know, he he comes face to face with Zacchaeus, who, who was ripping off other Jews by charging them exorbitant taxes, taxes, or Jesus has encountered people who he says, these people have mistreated children and it would be better for them if there was a millstone around their, tied around their neck and they were thrown into the lake than for them to have to face God in, uh, over this issue. Mm-hmm. And he, he encounters this woman who's been married multiple times and now is sleeping with another man and this kind of sexual indiscriminacy. And then, I mean, and on and on and on. Roman soldiers who've mistreated people. And 
so he he encounters sin and i think just the collision of a person who's part of this the kingdom of god just that coming face to face there's suffering that comes when i read the headlines every day as a follower of christ and i think this isn't the way it's supposed to be mm-hmm. and then on top of that there's this um there are passages that describe jesus's suffering there's this fascinating passage i think it's hebrews 5 it talks about jesus learning his obedience through suffering i don't even know what that means he was perfect but but even his own faithfulness to god was costly and obviously we see that when him wrestling in the garden and Mm. um and the ultimate cost that that would mean for him but every yes to god is costly for us every time we say I want to do your will. Every time we say, I want to love this person as you're prompting me to do that, that comes as cost. And then I think then the final cost is the cost of actual persecution where Paul talks in Philippians about enemies of the cross and people who um, who are just hostile to us. It doesn't matter how, with what kindness we relate to the people around us or with what love um, that, that we are gonna encounter um, opposition, persecution, mistreatment mockery but that's just part of and jesus did everywhere he went people followed him around and made fun of him and and tried to tear apart his arguments and um and and that came to the point where that ended up being his death Mm. so i think all of that is the experience of the suffering of jesus and into all of that we enter as people more and more made distinctive with the heart of God as the people of God in the kingdom of God, but living in this world. Hmm. Yeah, I think as I've gotten older, I have realized deeper the longing for heaven Um, and the longing for things to be made right. Yes. Not, not necessarily just for me, but just reading about, you know, child trafficking, you know, human trafficking, um, the crisis at the border, the, um, you know, the, the history of, of injustice, of our unfairness, of, of treating people as less than human, um, not just in the U.S., around the world. And it's, you know, the misuse of power, the abuse of power, the you know, it just, um, the more I read about it, the more I just long, <laughs> long for things to be made right. I, yes. Um, and, and I think that's, yes, yes, yes. And I think that is so right that our part of the work of the power of the resurrection in us is our hearts beat more and more with God's heart. Mm-hmm. And then and then we grieve more when we encounter sin and mistreatment and abuse and and then that becomes the impetus for the pursuit of justice in this world that that's what drives me to think say no it's not supposed to be this way mm-hmm. which rather than going you know i don't see it i don't hear it jesus take me home uh, the the impulse should be that the guy calls us to i think in scripture is just the opposite to lead us towards the pain Mm-hmm. And that's part of our suffering. That's part of our sharing in Christ's suffering. I mean, Jesus's life is a picture of stepping toward the pain at cost to himself for the sake of putting things right. I think that's part of the pattern that we're called into. I think it's, you know, if we look at the big picture, it can be overwhelming. 
Like, what can I do when there's millions of people being human, human trafficked? I don't know if that's the right term, but you know, I, when there are mil millions of people being trafficked, what can I do as one person? Or, uh, you know, with the pain and the suffering in this world, what can I do as one person? But Jesus, he, like, as I'm thinking through his life on this earth, so much of what we have recorded in the gospels is individual encounters. Yes. He, he saw one person, one That's woman at the well and talked with her. Yeah, there's no moment of waving a magic wand over a crowd of broken people and saying, all of you go and be healed. Every healing was a personal encounter. Yeah, so what can one person do? Well, one person can do what one person can do, which is a lot. And then when those one people get together with other one peoples in the body of Christ, and we start working collaboratively and in a coordinated way, then then much can begin to happen um, mm -hmm. that, that can be difference-making for people. Yes, and we, we cannot, I think it's easy to discount. I can only affect one person. But the reality is one person matters. Right. As evidence, I mean, just they, they matter because they are a human created in God's image. They matter because God loves that one person as much as God loves me. Yes. You know, I just was thinking, um, we, we've been talking more and more about this love your neighbor, your actual neighbor uh, emphasis in, in the last year. And part of the reason for that is because I think if we say love the world, it's like, what does that even mean? Okay, I love the world as a concept. I love the world in general terms. I'm going to give to the missions committee and hope they come up with something good to do with my money. Where if I'm called to love my neighbors, my love gets particularized. And that's where real love starts, is when I start loving individuals who are, who are image bearers, created in the image of God. And, and I, I think that the more we generalize the love of God, the, the less power our love actually has. Hmm. We don't love categories. We love people, hmm. individuals. And, and I'm just convinced that the health of the church, you and I have talked, Michelle, about the cultural decline that we see, which is, I think is profound. And I think more and more the church will be marginalized in our society. And and I'm absolutely pursuing, and, and people will be more and more indifferent to the gospel, more and more considered to be utterly irrelevant, not because it is, but because it's just kind of being written off. And the thing that will make it relevant is when I love my next door neighbor and my next door neighbor doesn't know what to do with that. And it's trying to figure out where in the world that love's coming from and why would you treat me that way? And why would you accept me in that way? And why would you pursue me in that way? And what is it about you? And tell me about this, this Jesus and and then that leads to real transforming spiritual conversations, which leads to real life transformation, which leads to the growth of the church, whether ours or another church. And I, it's just, I'm just so convinced it's not love the world, evangelize the world. It's love the people God's put in your life. Mm. And then let God, let that take you where it takes you mm -hmm. in all of its particularities. Right, right.
and trust God will put the right people in your path. And in other people's paths who I can't care for. Yes, that's yes. exactly right. I, I'm just reminded, um, you know, I, I had the privilege of working with Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. And I, I mean, I just, I was always struck by his stories of he would just go to the store and and greet the cashier and then the cashier would tell her life story and he would say well Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life and he would lead her to Christ and I was I'm always, I'm like that's uh, that that like that doesn't happen to everybody and it it doesn't happen to everybody I think it's being open to the possibilities and being available, right? And not like, okay, I have to do this and this and this, so task-oriented, task which is what I am, that we forget that we are encountering people. Yeah, that, that the, the clerk at the, in the checkout line is not a part of the machinery, but is a real person. Yeah, yeah and, and I, I think your observation is an important one. Bill Bright had a gift of evangelism like few people do. Right. But we can love the people God brings into our lives and brings into our neighborhoods and brings around our where we live. We can love them just as well as Bill Bright can. And how God uses that may look different than how God uses Bill Bright. Right. But that doesn't make my love less real or less important. Exactly. Exactly. And or... Um, it doesn't mean that the that even if I don't have the opportunity to tell someone God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life and lead them through the salvation message, that doesn't mean that the the love that I show to them in that moment isn't a isn't planting a seed or watering a seed that's already been planted or causing them to ask like why why would yeah. you treat me this way? That's out right. of everyone else. Yeah, I think that's right. One of the other things that I really am persuaded of, and this is part of why I think this loving of our particular neighbors is so important, is there are exceptions to this. And Bill Bright, someone with the gift of evangelism, operates mm -hmm. often in the exception, where a total right. stranger, I have a conversation, 10 minutes later, we're talking about the gospel. That's not the normal way it unfolds. And that's often off-putting to someone if that's in a normal conversation. Right. But if I've if I've lived alongside someone over months and years, mm -hmm. showing love on a consistent basis, then there are moments that come up where the heart opens wide, where there's a crisis that happens, the loss of a loved one, the 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 facing a challenging moment, or just being alongside someone in a deepening, ever deepening relationship, or them watching us go through something. And then those moments just kind of open up as ripe opportunities for us to talk about the gospel. Um, and, and that will come naturally and not be imposed. Mm. Um, I, I look back on my own um, efforts to share the gospel. And I can still remember one time, uh, this guy was changing my tire. And I remember using that as an opportunity to talk about what it's like when the spirit of God fills a person and that the word, that kind of the word pneuma was the same, that kind of wind and breath as spirit of God. And, and I look back on the moment and go, 
what was that? <laughs> um, and and I just think, you know, it seems to me, you boil down what can make a difference, and it's love plus relationship plus in some way me identifying the source of this love mm. that somehow the person discovers that the source of the love in me is Jesus and that could be through wow God's given us a beautiful day or something as simple as that where I'm just acknowledging indirectly my God is the one who defines my life and I show you love in the context of relationship I believe that that's where that's the seedbed of 90 plus percent of, of life transformation and people coming to Christ. It's just those things over time. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So uh, I think we've wandered a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we have. Fun. It's been a good wandering. Yes, yeah, it's been a good wander. Um, any last word you would, you know, going back to Philippians 3, yeah. 10 and 11, any last word you would like to share? Yeah, I think the one thing that really comes to mind that I'd love to just kind of leave us with is, I, I wonder how many times the church makes a misstep when we resist the fundamental teaching that suffering is just part of the Christian life. Paul in his language makes it really clear that we're gonna experience the power of the presence of God by his spirit and we're gonna suffer. Uh, how many places do, does it, our theology get sideways? How many places do we step away from hard things and isolate ourselves from a broken world? How many times do we feel disappointment with God like he's failed us because my life's hard? Um, God, uh, you promised me I was going to be happy. Where, where, where was that again? You promised that you would find happiness in him, but we never, he never just said your circumstances are going to be happy ones. Jesus says, in this life, you're going to experience a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, it does seem to me that as followers of Christ in the United States, who have this, if you do it right, it's going to be easy and it's going to go smoothly kind of mindset. If we're doing it right in the Christian life, it's not going to go easy. And in fact, the more we're growing in Christ, the more distinctive as followers of Christ we will be, the less comfortable we will be in this world, the less comfortable this world will be with us, the, the less it will feel like home either way, and we'll feel like aliens and strangers to the world. And the world won't know what to do with us as that's true. Um, and living a life of love is just costly. The, the core of the biblical notion of love is sacrifice. Hmm. It, you can never talk about love without sacrifice being woven in. And I think, I think if we could really settle that issue in our hearts as followers of Christ, the freedom that that would give us to pursue with joy and abandon the life that God has for us while we're here in these days um, would be profound and so important. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it's managing our expectations mm -hmm. in a biblical way, aligning well, exactly. our expectations with, with what the Bible says. 
That's, I think that's exactly right. So it's letting our expectation be managed, it's, which is different than maybe just quibble a little with the word. It's not us managing expectations. God, this is what I expect you to be. It's us letting God order our expectations. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. And then that's, that just struck me. I was just doing work on Sunday sermon today and was so struck by these distinctives of joy, contentment, and peace in circumstances that warrant fear, grumbling, frustration, anger, but the response is so different. There's that combination of the suffering, sharing, participating in the sufferings of Christ and our experience in the power of the resurrection. Both and at yes. the same time. And woven together, which is part of the wonder, part of the mystery. Yeah, yeah, wow. Well, thank you, David, for your time thank you, today. Michelle. And thank you for joining us. Um, those of you who've joined us live and those of us who will join us later. Um, and we will chat next week. Yes, look forward to that. Thanks, Michelle. Thank Good to be you. with you all. Bye. Bye.